Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, 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 well. Here we are. Good morning, indeed. I don't know if y'all know this, but we have some pretty amazing people here at Church on the Rock. Our family has been gone on vacation for a couple few weeks now, and uh, man, the it's just killer. They we serve with such I serve with such some of the coolest people, and I'm so grateful for Nikki filling in and leading, and Keenan coming back and filling in and leading, and Janae leading. I forgot to mention in the first service, last week is when I was actually supposed to preach, and Paul filled in and took care of that. No problem. I had no slides for the first service because this was kind of a last notice thing. We'll get to that. We're going to have some slides for this service because people are just back there making it happen. I'm talking to people this morning who are experiencing Jesus coming into and through recovery. I'm watching families raise hands, worship together. People are shouting. I don't know if y'all know, this is a great place, and we are in the favor of God. And that's not of anything that we've done other than he's chosen to pour out his blessing on us. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Jesus is in a place that is 46 degrees and raining, and you come home and you think, this is nice. (laughs) We were languishing for days on end in 90-plus degree weather with full sunshine. I lost track of time. I fell asleep by the pool. I was awakened by cannonballs and screaming. They were related, but it is what it is. We just had the best time, man. We flew down. We saw my mama and daddy. We saw my wife's parents. We saw her granny, North Carolina, Wisconsin. Y'all, we have been all over, and I ate enough Culver's and Chick-fil-A to kill a horse. (laughs) I wanted to know, can you eat too much of the Lord's chicken? And the answer is no, you cannot. I drank my body weight in Chick-fil-A sauce, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm grateful for every ounce. It is harder. I, I have a lot of inflammation. I think it's related to the amount of spicy deluxe chicken sandwiches. Man, if y'all haven't had it, mm, you are missing out. But even so, coming back, man, it was great. We landed. It was 46 and raining, and uh, it just felt like home. It feels so good to be back. It is such a rich blessing. Um, we have not always been in seasons where we came back to our church family and it felt like we were home. And that is not true now. This is where we live. This is who we are. And it's weird for me to say it, but y'all, Alaska is home and we love we love it. We absolutely love it. So bless you guys. Thank you. I don't always get a chance to get up here and just brag on people and be grateful in this public capacity, but God is, is so good. I'm even grateful that Pastor Jonathan gave me the opportunity to preach today. Now, allegedly... He has thrown out his back because the moose he was trying to load was so big. I am of the opinion that he has underestimated what it means now that he's turned 50 and he just sneezed and blew that joker out. (laughs) Which, when you sneeze and blow things out of 50, it's not always your back, so I guess we'll take that. But that's that's what I'm told. The harder you're laughing, the more you know that's true. Come on, testify. I said something to that effect in the first service, and he sent Kitri to this service, so I'm going to be a little more careful because I'm way more afraid of her coming over here than I am Jonathan coming over here. But I am grateful for the opportunity. He texts Pete and Paul and myself 
And he said, who wants it? And uh, in addition to feeling like the Lord telling me I should say yes, I thought, you know, I've been chilling out for uh, a, a couple few weeks now. Maybe I should take one for the team and, and step in. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I love, love, love to get to do it. It's a blessing. So today we're going to take a, a one-week break from our series because uh, I didn't have preparation for that. So Jonathan said it would be okay if I preached on whatever I wanted. So we're going to talk about tithing today. That's not true. We're going <laughs> to... That's, that'd be the worst um, <clears throat> for me to have to preach on. Anyway, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So if you got your Bible, you can get that out or turn it on. You know, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm old enough that I'm still going to use a, a paper Bible. By the way, I took a note from Pastor Paul's message last week and brought an aesthetically pleasing Bible to preach from. This Bible does, in fact, also belong to my wife. So I borrowed this because it looks nice and not because her font is bigger and I'm struggling to see smaller print these days. Those are unrelated. Unrelated, that's a bonus. Luke chapter 15. Also shout out Kimmy McCotter for making me this coffee. Kimmy made me a coffee one time. I said, what was that? It was delicious. She said, I don't know. I just threw a bunch of things together. So I thought, that's great. Thank you. And then she's made it for me ever since. And the boys, her sons, thought it would be funny to label it for me to come and find it with Justin Bieber written on the cup. So I'll take that compliment all day, though. I'm a believer. I'm into it. Hopefully you're in Luke chapter 15 right now because I'm out of coffee jokes. All right. In this chapter, Jesus tells three parables. The first one in chapter 15 is the parable of the lost sheep. The second parable is the parable of the lost coin. And the third parable that he shares is the parable of the prodigal or the lost son. Now, it would seem logical that according to these titles, this is not a trick question, okay? That the parable about the lost sheep is about a lost... Nailed it. Don't be shy. Don't be sheepish. <laughs> okay, anyway. It would also stand to reason then that the second parable about the lost coin is about a lost coin. Way more confidence that round. That's it. All right, let's see if we can take this all the way home. So when we read the title, the parable of the prodigal son, we, it seems like it should be about a lost son. Home run. You guys are doing great. God bless you. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. No luck that way. We're not getting out that early. Titles at times can be misleading, right? It puts this notion in our head of what this is going to be about. And certainly the sheep, the coin, the prodigal son, all of those are main characters and they're important in each of the parables. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, a parable is just a story in scripture that Jesus tells that has an intentional lesson, a spiritual lesson and a moral lesson for us to glean bits of wisdom from it. So that's really what all of these are about. So when I come to this story, this parable of the prodigal or the lost son, it automatically kind of puts my mind that the story is about him. But I hope that as we study this a little bit this morning that we're going to realize he's only one of the characters. He is not the main character. And I'm kind of hoping that we'll be able to get through that as we look at the three characters that are in this study this morning. Kimmy, did you put an extra shot in this coffee? Woo! Sweating like two snakes in a wool sock fighting over a kitten. <laughs> Y'all, I've been in Tennessee. Pray for all of us. Okay, here we go. I've never even heard that expression in my life. <clears throat> when we get into this story, we've got three characters that we're going to look at this morning. The dad, the dud, and Debbie Downer. These are spiritually inspired characters that I have named this morning. That they're not. I just made them up. But, but they are who the story is about. So we're going to jump right in chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Read along with me, verses 11 and 12. And he said, and Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property or the inheritance that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Who's the very first character that's mentioned here? Well, that's true. Jesus does start the parable. Who's the first character that he mentions? It's the man, right? It's the, it's the dad. The, the dad is the first character. In good story writing, I don't know if you know this, Jesus is good at stories. In good story writing, you want to get to the main character as quickly as possible so that you begin to identify with them and kind of follow them along for the journey. Now, we learn a few things about the dad here. Okay, number one, he's got two sons. Number two, he's got property, probably some kind of wealth. He's got enough that he's going to, planning on leaving an inheritance for his kids. So he's got some, some power and some status. And the third thing is we find out one of his sons, the youngest one, he kind of sucks. And I know that we're not supposed to say that word in church, but uh, it's a thing. Something stinks, something suck, and they're different for a reason, okay? This guy is not great. Because when do you typically get an inheritance? When someone... Dies. See, you guys know things. So how do you think it feels when someone comes to you, right? There's a cultural piece here that we're missing because this is, this is kind of a foreign concept to us. In fact, we live in an age where sometimes parents, if they are able to, will give their kids their inheritance a little early because they want to see them enjoy it. And that's great. That is not how things typically go down culturally or contextually speaking in this time. The son essentially comes to the father and says, I wish you were dead so that I could go ahead and have what you're going to leave me now and enjoy it. You're okay, but the stuff, what I'm going to get, I'd like that a little bit more. So we, we kind of miss that piece as we're reading through this story. So the dad, we're going to learn more about him as we go on, but this segues so nicely right into our second character, which is the youngest son, the dud. Now, if you don't think he's a dud, we're going to get to that in a minute. A dud by definition is a thing, or in this case, a person, that fails to work properly or is otherwise unsatisfactory or worthless. If you are familiar with the story, you are beginning to probably yield to the fact that this kid is a little bit of a dud. When we were kids, we shot off fireworks all the time. That's just what you do in unsafe places like Tennessee. You just take Roman candles, you light them, and you shoot them at each other. You take bottle rockets, and you light them, and you shoot them at each other. And it's fun, and you have a great time. It's not just Tennessee, but, you know... That's just what you do. So we, growing up, we were shooting off fireworks for some holiday or maybe just because, I don't remember, but we had a big string of firecrackers, and one of them came off of the string when they all lit. So it was one firecracker left, and for some reason, my daddy thought, we should save that because you don't throw away anything. So we set that on top of the fridge, and there it laid for a long time, and my brother just couldn't take it. He had to know, is that a dud? And so he grabbed the firecracker off the top of the fridge, goes into the kitchen because he's going to be safe and throw it into the sink after he lights it. But he forgets that this is not a regular firework with a regular fuse. This is one of those skinny mini paper fuses that's meant to, you know, go all off at once when you light the firecrackers. So he lights that joker, and as soon as he rears back to throw it, wouldn't you know it, not a dud, boom, and opens up all the meat on the end of that fingertip right there. That's nasty, right? There is an expectation. Certain things are supposed to work a certain way. They're supposed to produce certain results. And when they don't, it's a dud. There is an expectation for sons in this day and age, and even in our day and age now. And when those expectations aren't there, when they're not doing what they're supposed to do, in this case, working for the father, loving him while the father loves you, it's a mutual, healthy relationship that's supposed to be there. He's just kind of a dud. He just tells his dad, I wish you were dead. I don't want to do the things you want me to do. I want to do the things that I want to do. 
So let's look at these verses as we get into studying a little bit. Bless his heart, the dud of a son. Wouldn't you like to be that son, the dud? Some of us have been that son. Anyway, we'll get to that as well, I'm sure. Verse 13, we're going to read some of these verses, and I'm going to summarize them for you, kind of real simple like, because I've been in the South, and we like to keep it simple there. Not many days, verse 13 says, later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. In Tennessee, we say, he gone, right? He got what was his. He didn't hang out around. He didn't spend extra time with dad and share those beautiful moments in that inheritance together. He gone. He took off. Verse 13. Now, verse 14. When he had spent everything, whoo, if you have that child, you know, or if you've been that one, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Now he broke. Okay, he got nothing. He's broke. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pig. Now he's hurting, right? Verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. He's desperate. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. He's got an idea. 18 and 19. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Now he's got a plan, okay? And the first part of verse 20, excuse me, he says, and he arose and came to his father. He's starting to piece this together, right? First, he's gone. Then he's broke. Then he's hurting. Then he's desperate. Then he's got an idea. He's got a plan. And now he's on the move. He's kind of started to figure some things out. Some of us have found ourselves in a similar position in life to some of these statements that we've just made about this, for now, this, this dud of a son. You've, we've made some choices. I say you. We. Not all, maybe not all of us, Okay. But a lot of us have made some of these choices, and we've found ourselves in similar situations. We have been broke, whether that's monetary or otherwise. We have certainly been desperate. We have been in great need. We have found ourselves in awful situations as a result of the choices that we have made. But sometimes we get an idea, and we start to put a plan in motion. And then we get back to our main character in the second part of verse 20, which is great. This is where it starts to get really good. Verse 20, the son says he, came, he arose and came to his father, and right in the middle of verse 20, here we go. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's such a good part of the story. There's no, I'm not getting ready to like ruin it for you. I just want to pause for a minute. This is such a great part of the story. Some of us have wondered if somebody who should love us does love us or not. And there have been moments, not for everybody, but there have been moments when people have proven to us that they do. This is just, I just, I love this story. I love this parable. And I love this part. I love everything about this moment. I just wanted to pause and let us kind of bask in that for a minute. And we'll get, the, and we're going to learn more right here about the dad. Just in the second part of verse 20, right? We see that he's compassionate and he is, he's hindered. There's another cultural piece here that, we're, that doesn't always 
click in our minds right away. In this time, in this day and age, if you had money, if you had power, if you had authority, if you had possessions, if you had land, if you had wealth of any kind, you don't run. You certainly don't run to somebody, and you certainly don't run to somebody who's not that great, who has wronged you, who has done an egregious error against you, has committed this terrible thing, who told you that they wish you were dead. And if you do run to them, it's with the crazy eyes. Y'all ever see somebody coming at you, yelling at you with the crazy eyes? Maybe y'all didn't have a southern mama. I love you, mama. Okay? Listen, I'm like 4,000 miles away. I'm still afraid that woman's going to show up and be waiting for me, all right? But he, th- that's not what you do. I don't know if you've ever seen Shawshank Redemption. There's a scene. It's a prison movie. And I, I think someone, Pastor Paul told me about it. I, anyway, <laughs> Morgan Freeman's in the prison yard. He's at the top of these bleacher steps out like in the yard, you know? And one of the other characters just starts walking up the bleachers to sit up there. And everybody starts, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, man, you don't just sit at the top of the bleachers, man. You got to get the status. You got to earn that position. This father has earned that position. And yet, in spite of that, he sees his son and he starts running. 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 You know what was one of the greatest feelings in the world for me? I don't deserve so many great things in my life. But when I come home, it is, man, you would think, I I don't even know. I don't know who the most popular person in the world is, but that's who you would think I was when I come through the door. And children come running, yelling, Daddy, hugging me, kissing me, so glad you're home. Yeah, all the things. It's the greatest. When people just run to you to love on you, it's awesome. All the introverts right now are going, you're wrong. You're wrong. Please, no one run to me. That's your greatest fear for the rest of the day. <sighs> Some idiot's going to hear this and run to me. I do not. Mm. So be, be kind. Okay, be kind to those people. But this is what the Father's done. He is affectionate. He's not coming to get him. He's coming to love him. He throws his arms around him. He hugs him. He kisses him. Verse 22, but the Father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. He is forgiving beyond our comprehension. Some of us in this room have been wronged in unbelievable ways. This father, that's that's what's happened to him. And he is forgiving to his son. The son starts in with his spiel about, just treat me as a servant, I screwed up, all these things. And the father just starts talking like he wasn't even saying a word. And he says, bring the best coat that we have. Put it on my son. Get me a ring for this boy's finger. Not only does he forgive in almost an incomprehensible way, he gives good gifts to his children. And it's not based on what they have or haven't done. He loves them lavishly. We see this in the dad here in this story. Verse 23 and 24 It gets better. We're not even to the best part. This is it right here. He brings, he says, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. He can't wait to celebrate. The father, of course, the son can't wait to celebrate. He's been trying to eat with pigs. He was in a faraway land. He said, bring and put shoes on his feet. Guess what that means? He showed up without shoes. Now, some of y'all can just do that. I am, I'm unashamedly the most tender-footed person in the world. If you don't cut your grass right, I'm, not, I'm, I'm keeping my tennis runners on. I'm not just walking out there. And, okay? The boy has no shoes. 
And the father brings him all these good gifts and says, we, we've got to celebrate. Why? Because my son was lost and he is now found. The father doesn't take into consideration for a second that this son was committing some of the worst sins. Maybe you find yourself in that place this morning, in the depths of depravity and the worst things that you could think of that somebody could possibly do against a good and perfect father. And he can't wait to celebrate it because this son was lost, but now he is found. My boy was dead, and now he is alive. That is the father that this young man has. And I'm telling you this morning, through our father in heaven, that's the father that you can have also. He wants to celebrate anyone and everyone who was lost but now found. Those who were dead but because of his forgiveness have now been made alive. What a killer part of the story. So good. So good. Uh, uh, so good. I got you. Okay, I forget you guys. Anyway. There are likely in this room this morning some prodigals. I won't ask you to raise your hand. There's usually, I hate to be so Gen Z about it, but there's usually a vibe, right, that some of us kind of radiate, that we either are or have been the prodigal. And the part of the message, we're not done, but part of the message is for you this morning. You need to hear that no matter where you are, no matter how far you've run, no matter what you have done, the Father is waiting for you to repent and return and come home so he can forgive you and shower you with gifts and continue to love you perfectly. That's exactly what he's waiting to do. Pastor Jonathan reminded me this morning, if you can imagine, he had notes for me after service. I asked, though, I asked. Repentance is not just turning from something, it's turning to something, and the something that you turn to has to be better. And if you are the prodigal this morning, you don't just need to turn away from what is wrong and what is sin in your life. You need to turn towards something better, and you need to turn to something that is the best and that's a good and perfect father who cannot wait to celebrate your return. Others of us this morning are related to the prodigal. They are a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or a parent or a friend. And we are struggling to love this person in our life. Or maybe we're not struggling to love them. We're struggling to watch what they're doing to themselves. They see when you were in that season of being a prodigal, you refuse to acknowledge, well, I'm just doing me. It, it, all, my decisions only affect me. That's not true. Sin splatters. It's going to get on everybody. But we have a responsibility to observe the Father's behavior in this parable and model that for them. To pray for them. To not be able to wait for them to come home. What did the Father do? He says, when his son was a long way off, he started running to him. Now, how do you see something if it's a long way off? This is not a trick question. All right, I'm going to blow your mind with some science. You ready? In order to see something that is a long way off, you got to look. That's it. Now, depending on how old you are, you got to look hard, right? But that's, that's, that's all you got to do. That's science. I used to teach it for Yale and Harvard University. That's not true. Don't laugh. That's hurtful. I, I could. <laughs> there's no way you could do that. I could have. My mother's like, that's right. You should have stayed in school. I'm just kidding. I did. I stayed and I finished. The father was looking for the opportunity. Is that what we are doing for those who are prodigals in our life? Are we looking? Are we eagerly anticipating the answer to our prayers that they would return and be found 
instead of being lost, that they would be alive instead of dead. We need people like that in our lives. We don't have time to go over the list of people in my life who prayed for me and looked for me a long way off. My father has run to me time and time again, and that man would do it in a second today. I am blessed a thousand times over to have grown up in the home that I did, but I'm aware that not everyone this morning has that father. Not everyone wants to go home to that man. I understand that, and I I get that you understand it better than I ever will, and I'm sorry for that. I am. But this story is not about returning to that father. It's about returning to our heavenly father. That's who's waiting for you. Not that man who mistreated you. And who knows what kind of ways. That's not who's there. It's the Father who lavishes his perfect gifts on you, who loves you, who can't wait to forgive you and celebrate the life that he's going to give you in Jesus' name. That's who's there. We're in a series. We're supposed to be talking about lamenting today. And I, I told Pastor Jonathan when I was going to preach this that this, this ties in really well. So this is not me trying to squeeze it and make it happen. But he sent me a quote from this guy, Pastor Mark Vrogup. I love it. I'm going to read it. Lament is more than just the expression of sorrow or the venting of emotion. Lament talks to God about pain, and it has a unique purpose, trust. It is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, our frustrations, and sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. Lament turns towards God when sorrow tempts us to run from him. I would argue that my thoughts, Scripture doesn't tell us this specifically here, that this father had prayed some of these prayers, that he experienced some of these feelings. It's it's not a sin to be frustrated either as a prodigal or at one. That's that's, That's okay. Give those things to the Lord. He's the one who gave you feelings and emotions in the first place. Surrender those things to him. Don't surrender to sorrow, but trust in God instead and give those things to him. Now, this is a great place to stop in the story, and usually we do. Prodigal runs off. He comes home. It's a party. We love to end it there for lots of reasons. It's a great place to end. It's a good story. But there's still another character. Who is it? Debbie Downer. Somebody in first service was ready with that answer, just like somebody. Y'all ready for me to give it to him, aren't you? Come on. Talk about it. Let that fool have it. Nobody likes a Debbie Downer. We're going to get there. Side note. If your name is Debbie this morning, it's not personal. We love you. It just rhymes. Debbie Upper, maybe that's you. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what name is for the other. Sorry. Let's just get on. Debbie Downer, verses 25 through 28. This is about the older son. I'm going to summarize these first few verses for you. He comes in, the older son, Debbie, (laughs) comes in. Maybe that's why he's upset. Maybe his name really was Debbie. The older son comes in from the field. He hears music and dancing. Now, for my fellow Baptists in the room, I'll explain what both of those things are to y'all later after service today. It's all right. He asks a servant, what's going on? He finds out that his brother is back and that his dad is throwing an absolute rager to celebrate it. And if you are over 40, I will explain that to you after service as well. It's going to be a lot of things we have to explain. All of this makes the older brother so mad, he's so jealous, he's so upset that he refuses, verse 28 tells us, 
He doesn't just decide not to go into the party. He refuses to go into the party. You ever have somebody refuse something? If you're a mother, you know this feeling. It's right after you made dinner for your child and you put it in front of them and they go, pass. <laughs> but it's all your favorite things. I know, I refuse. This is, okay, great. Maybe not, but maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe your kids are different. But anyway, I don't have a Webster's Dictionary of Debbie Downer, but I feel like this guy's pretty close to the mark. He's sitting outside, he's pouting, he's throwing a fit, and wouldn't you know it, out comes the main character again. Here comes dad. Verse 28 in the second part. Well, the first part says, but, his, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out to him. That's another thing we need to know about the dad is that he seeks his sons out. We celebrate the fact that this father ran to the prodigal, and we absolutely should. But we miss the fact that when his other son refused to go to him, that he ran to him also. He went to both sons, not just the son who realized he needed him. The father goes out to the second son, verses 29 and 30. But he answered his father, the older son. He said, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat I'm assuming that's the least someone can do. I don't really know. Anyway, so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not brother of mine, okay, when this son of yours, excuse me, when he came home, the son who has devoured your property with prostitutes, how does he know that? Well, the son, other son was in a faraway land. I'm sure. He, so anyway, you get the point. He said, <laughs> you killed the fattened calf for him. So the father, he listens to the concerns of the older brother. He endures these accusations. And then in verse 31, the father says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. He reminds his older son that what he gave his brother wasn't going to impact what he was going to also give to him. He didn't pull what that son needed out of the other son's pile. And give it to him. But that's how we live sometimes. That's how we feel. There's a lot of psalms. Actually, Pastor Pete reminded me of David and other psalmists lamenting about the good gifts that evil people seem to have. They seem to have health, wealth, prosperity, all these things, and they're in the middle of, a, of lamenting. But it, God is not taking from one to give to the other. That's not how it works when you have an endless supply of grace. Verse 32 it was fitting, the father says, to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. He, the father reaffirms the value, the significance, and the responsibility of celebrating a life saved and changed through grace. That's what the father does. This is called a teachable moment. This is what my daddy calls him. The best thing about having grandkids is now they get all of his teachable moments. I love you, Daddy. I do. They were great. But, man, I am glad to just pass that on to them. But the father doesn't waste this opportunity. He recognizes his responsibility to his older son as well. He doesn't just go out to his younger. He goes out to this one. We got some older sons in the room this morning. I have a list of names. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we... It's hard. It's hard to be related to or in the life of the prodigal. When you feel like you have worked hard to be faithful, 
to be consistent, to be obedient, to do everything that is expected of you. You don't want to be a dud. You want to perform exactly as you know that you're supposed to. Some of you thrive. That's exactly how your personalities are. You want to do exactly, just tell me what to do. Tell me what you want, and I'll do all of those things. God bless you. I'm grateful for you. That's not a flaw. That's just who some of you are. And when we see other people in our hearts, I think if we're honest, who we view as worthless, getting all the good things that we believe in part should be ours. We, we may not feel like we deserve everything, but surely we could at least get a young goat. Can I get a goat? Can I get a baby goat? One of those cute fainting goats, maybe, right? We have in our mind this at least what we think we deserve. And even if we don't get that right, we're looking at this other person going, that's way too much for them. Way too much. I don't know how much they actually should get. Way too much, though. It's more than me, which means that's wrong. You know, we have these struggles in our heart. If you, if there's more than one child in your house, one of them feels this way. But some of us are here this morning in church. We have a responsibility to yield that stuff to God. It is okay to feel some of those hard feelings that we have towards other people like this, but we cannot get lost in them. The father and this older son likely felt the exact same things. It's how they dealt with it that manifested you and I need to observe to be cautious of. Let go and repent. Turn away from the bad things and towards the good things, the good father of these concerns, air quotes, that you have for others. And just remember that the Father loves you just as much as he does the other person. God is aware of exactly how much each person, the grace and mercy they need and how much they're getting and how much you are getting. He's aware. You don't need to tell him. I don't know if you have that child that just wants to make sure you know things. Mm, I hear some, mm, mm. I have that child. My mother prayed for me to get that child, and God answered those prayers. Daddy, I just wanted you to know. Oh, thank you, because without you, I wouldn't know anything. Bless your heart. God love you, as we say in Tennessee. God love you. No one else will. Bless. Anyway, woo. Y'all not ready for the South. It's tough. Got to have thick skin down there. Don't think for a second that just because you need a different type of grace that you deserve more than someone else. And even if you do think it, doesn't make it true. Trust the Father to handle the Father's business. You handle yours. You do what he expects of you, he'll do what he's committed to do himself. Now, the end of this parable always felt kind of weird to me and abrupt. You're reading through, you got the great part in the middle with the prodigal and the father and the celebrating. We get to this part at the end, and this is how it ends. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The end. That feels abrupt to me. It leaves me willing to watch the credits and see what's the next piece. Have you ever done that and then there's no next piece? That's frustrating. Then you're going back to the end. You're kind of replaying the end going, did I miss something? I don't understand what happened. But this time when I was studying this passage, chapter 15, verse 1, the beginning of all these parables caught my eye. This is something I felt like the Lord highlighted to me. In chapter 15, verse 1, we read, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. How many sons are in the parable? Two. How many groups of people were drawing near to Jesus to hear these parables? It's two, two of these groups, right? Tax collectors and sinners. Two groups of people are coming. Now, as the worship team comes back up here, I want us to take a moment and just think this morning about the fact that each group, just like each son, is probably likely convinced 
that they were better than the other group, at least in some capacity. And in fairness, well, let's just give it to them. Let's just say, sure, sure, maybe they're right about a couple of those things. But the point wasn't which group were they in. Just like the point for you and I is not figuring out which son are we most like. Honestly, I think it's seasonal. I've been both sons, and now I have three kids. So I'm trying to figure out a little bit better how to, how to be the father, and I just hope that someone keeps pouring out their love on me. How do I pour that out on my children? The point of all of this is that we need to be certain who our father is. Whether we find ourselves in the absolute mess of our life, whether we find ourselves being aware that we're in this mess and that we need to repent and go towards the perfect thing that is God, our Father, whether we are absolutely sitting outside throwing a fit and pouting in total self-righteousness, if God is your Father, he'll come to you either way. Either way. That's the question. That's the challenge that we have before us this morning. You need to be able to answer that question with great certainty. Is God your heavenly Father? And the way that you determine that is, is Jesus Christ my Savior? Have I recognized the sin in my life that I need to repent from? And have I turned towards Jesus to ask for that forgiveness and gone home to the Father? And if you are unsure, pray and ask, and the Holy Spirit will tell you. He will absolutely confirm that in your life. We can, if we can be sure that God is our Father, Here's what we can know. That we will always have someone who loves us, who provides for us, who never gives up on us, who always forgives us, forgives us, and who runs to us and cannot wait to celebrate our return to him. Church, would you stand with me? We're going to close this morning. Whatever position you find yourself in, Make sure that you are confident of who your father is this morning. We're going to have our prayer ministry teams come up on the sides of each room. I'm going to close this out in prayer in just a second. But that's what, I don't want you to leave this morning without being certain of that. And I also don't want you to leave if you're already certain of that and God's your father, hallelujah. Man, amen. We celebrate that all over this room. That's great. Are you fulfilling the responsibilities of the prodigals in your life and the oldest son? Are you doing those things that those people need you to do in the name of Jesus so that they might come running? When you see them, that you would go running towards them. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for who you are. Just even while the band's playing this song right now, Lord, you are always good. Father, we would not know goodness if you, if you didn't pour it out on us. And you do. You offer us the opportunity to surrender all of the fears and the struggles and the pride, all the things that are hard for us, Lord, all the things that are sin in our life, you offer us full and true and eternal forgiveness. So help us to be found faithful to you, Jesus, in this day and in every day that you would give to us from here. We ask and we pray it in your name. Amen and amen. Church, I'm so grateful for y'all for this opportunity to be here this morning. Go and live how God wants you to live, starting with picking up your kids real quick from Kids Ministry. We love you. I hope we'll see you guys next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.